0: We're in, a, we're in a margin series uh, right now since the first of the year. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, pressure, and, and there doesn't and seem to feel like there's a lot of space in all of our lives as it relates to our faith. We looked into that, how to create margin in our faith in January, and this month in February, how to create margin and room in our families. And so we're going to continue that today as I speak for a few minutes this morning, um, and what I, what I kind of mentioned back in the early part of our January uh, portion of this series is, is we're not trying to add things on top of what you're already giving yourselves to. What we're trying to do here is clear out stuff, clear out the clutter in our lives and our hearts that actually doesn't belong. You see, religion, religion oftentimes says, hey, you need to do this and do this and do this. And I'm not saying doing stuff is bad. But oftentimes, we maybe need to just sit and reflect and go, what doesn't belong? And let's get rid of that first, right? It's, that's why garage sales are good. Can I get an amen, right? It's, 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 sometimes when we move and we have to go through our closets and our attics and our garages, it's good to get rid of stuff that doesn't belong, right? And sometimes there's, there's moments that, that we have to go there and we have to get that stuff out. And so that's what we're kind of trying, trying to do Um, In this series, and so we're looking at margin in our families, and I want to talk specifically this morning about creating margin in our relationships. Now, this is for everybody, because I'm talking about marriage. What I'm going to teach on today, it's going to give you principles uh, to create margin within your marriages, within your your relationship to your children, your friendships, um, people within the body, and people outside of the church. It's, it's going to cover all of them because, you know, we don't have a lot of time here. We could, we could do messages on each of those specifically, but God was like, listen, give them a principle that if they could hear, they could apply to all of these types of relationships. Um, but I want to look specifically at the fruitfulness of those relationships. I call them gardens. Everybody say garden. We're going to create margin in our garden, all right? And the garden of these relationships, and you can apply it, man, you're like, oh, maybe as I'm talking, you're like, man, my marriage, the garden of my marriage needs this, or the garden of my friendships needs this. We're going to create some margin there, and we're going to look at the fruitfulness of these gardens, and here's how, they, here's how the fruitfulness comes, you ready? The seeds of love that we sow, the water of love that we pour out into them. And the continual cultivation of the soil of the hearts of these with love. It's those three things. That's what you do in a garden. You plant, you water, you cultivate, right? Plant? Come on with me. Plant, water, cultivate. Come on. Plant, water, cultivate. It's not complicated. You plant And sometimes there's seasons in those relationships where you might just be planting, sowing. Other times it may be you just might be watering. Other times you might be, man, we got to till up the ground a little bit, right? And when you till up the ground, it gets a little messy. Can I get an amen? But it's okay. And you, and you stay in those seasons for different periods of time, and they begin to produce fruitfulness, all right? Because here's what I believe. I believe everybody deep down is in search of authentic love because we have been created by love. God is love. So we, we, we long and echo and want to echo that which our creator has, has actually fashioned us in. Even if we don't realize it, people that don't go to church aren't into God. Listen, they're still longing for love. Do you believe that? Now, in modern day uh, culture that we live in, I, I, there's this phenomenon within uh, movies that are out there. Actually, it, it, it happened, started some years ago. And um, they've been given a title. They're called Chick Flicks. But you know what I'm talking about? Now, if you're a man, it's Valentine's Day coming up, right? You want to take some ground in the department with your lady friend. Open up your heart to Chick Flicks. Come on, somebody. One time I confessed fully and openly, unashamedly on social media that during Christmas season I give myself over to a hallmark movie Bonanza. <laughs> Woo I'm I'm really loving what producers are doing now. They you know, they, they have the war movies, right? That guys are into, you know, but they throw that love story right in the midst of it, right? Beautiful balance. Come on, somebody. But I think there's something that men, let's just let's go there with the men a little bit. I think that we're uncomfortable with watching the chick flicks because they actually really pull on the heartstrings of emotion. And we, we have a harder time going there, right? So now you can ask Wendy. I'm, in, I'm watching those chick flicks. I'm like, <laughs> you know, tears are flowing as my heart is being opened like a beautiful flower as I have given myself to loving my wife in watching these movies. Amen. But but here, here's here's what I just, in all seriousness, here's what I want to ask this question, and then we're gonna go into this message. Because I think it's important for us to really ask this question Does the love of Christ really exude from our hearts? To our spouses, to our kids? to our brothers and sisters, to our fellow man. Does it really exude in the way that God would have for it to exude? And if not, there's grace for us. I was telling the team this morning to run into the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 10 says, to be truthful with our hearts and then have full confidence that he's with that truthfulness that we bring before him to come and and pour out on us in his presence transformational change that will enable us to truly love like Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. With all boldness, with all confidence, come before the throne of grace to find help. Man, the body of Christ needs, God is longing for us to be this instrument to the world. We're the ones that have been given this gift. We're to exude it, right? We're to model it. We're to to demonstrate this. Because I believe that true kingdom transformation in the earth will only happen when people encounter the love of Jesus. Now that may sound narrow-minded, but I believe that. Because we need to understand, it, this is culturally relevant to the church right now, that, that, that deconstruction that takes place within a post-Christian culture calls for these things. I wrote these down. This is just a preface, but I want you to get this. Calls for kingdom benefits to, to manifest without a king. Progress to take place without his presence. And a cultural love to be manifest in our society versus the love of Christ. And the reason is, these, there's, these are, these are flip, flip-flop responses because there's a mistrust of authority, number one. That's why they, they want the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't want a king. They can't trust the king's. Progress without his presence. There hasn't been a response to social injustice. They want to see that. A generation wants to see that move forward. Cultural love versus the love of Christ, that's because of religion, judgment, hypocrisy. We need to see this changed. So in the midst of all this, I want to say, I'm placing my faith 100% in the blood of the Lamb. I'm going all in, man. Because I believe when Jesus, who is the second Adam, laid down his life for his friends, it opened the door for all of humanity to ste- step into the second and final Garden of Eden, which looks like ultimately transform cities and ultimately transform nations. That begins, it's got to begin somewhere with transformed lives and transformed relationships, one at a time, starting with us. Talk a lot about revival. If revival doesn't start with us, it's never going to go out beyond that. And this is where God is at. So I want to take a look at Ephesians chapter 5 to just get some faith to see the destiny of where we're headed as his body in the love of Christ. So would you pray with me? Father, would you... Breathe on the teaching of your word. Would you illuminate? Would you give us understanding? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we are equipped this morning by your spirit? Let the word of God be as you promised, quick, powerful, alive, piercing to the depths of our souls. We allow your presence the presence of your word to come into our hearts. To reveal truth and then to change us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. So, just beginning here in Ephesians chapter 5, and I really want you to take a couple notes this morning, verses 1 and 2. Paul reveals a two-part calling. Because we got to know where we're going. I'm going to give you, a, you know, some insight into to, to what The catalyst is going to be to get us there, but we got to know where we're going. And there's this two part calling over our lives. Let's read together in Ephesians chapter 1, verse after chapter 5, rather, verse 1. This is insane. This is amazing. Be imitators of God in everything you do, then you will represent your Father as beloved sons and daughters, second part of the verse, and continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ that he has surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet fragrance. So where we're headed as the body of Christ is number one, To be imitators of God. This is crazy. We're gonna actually look like Jesus. (laughs) We're gonna look like the Lord because Christ in us, which is the hope of glory, is what's actually gonna come out of us. His love that resides in us, we're gonna exude to all of the world, all right? To be imitators of God. In fact, he says, when he says um, to be imitators of God, then you will represent your Father. As his sons and daughters represent, it means to re-present, to re-present. Our responsibility is to present God to other people through the essence of our lives. All right, number one goal and where we're headed. Number two, he says to continue to walk in his love. Now there's, oh, there it is. It's one thing to be all excited about Jesus and all about loving other people. But it's a whole other thing. Come on, somebody that's lived a little life to continue to walk in the love of God. And I believe the key here is where we surrender our lives as he surrendered his for us. To be unoffendable when we give love that is not received. In fact, the word agape, in the definition of true love of God, it literally means love without an agenda. This is really important because, you see, when we love culture, when we love our husbands, when we love our wives, when we love our friends, when we love our kids, we can't have an agenda when we express love to them. In other words, you know, it's normal. Like we think, oh, if I love them, this is going to happen, and they're going to respond this way, and change is going to happen in this way, and they're going to begin to behave like this. But what happens when they don't? What happens when they persecute you back for loving them? I mean, Jesus himself was persecuted for righteousness' sake. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was loving the world. Yet the world spit into his face. And instead of like, God, fire down from heaven, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. This is very important. For us to not only be imitators of God, but to continue to walk in his love. Because if not, you're going to end up a very bitter, burned out Christian. And it's going to put a really big disdain in the lives of people out there in culture going, wow, if that's the Jesus that you want me to come and follow, forget it. I'll go somewhere else. And they will search for love somewhere else. So this is our goal. How do we get there? Well, first of all, I think we have to admit that we could still use some growth in these areas. How many of would, would join with me this morning saying that I need to grow in understanding who Jesus is and manifesting the love of this one that did it so beautifully? Oh. So Lord, here we are at 1111 asking you to help us grow on this Sunday morning in the love of God. And equipping helps us grow. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're in Ephesians 5, it sets up the, 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 the table perfectly where, where he's, Paul says, listen, we're to grow through equipping in the unity of our faith, the knowledge of God's Son, that we'd be mature in the Lord, that we'd measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. In other words, His love. That's why we believe in equipping here. It's so important. It helps us to grow. It's part of growth. There's a three-part reality to growing in our life, which biblical term would be transformational discipleship. But it happens through three things. Relationship, when someone really takes time to know you. Number two, through experience. You know, we just can't just kind of just not live live absence of an experiential life in the Lord. Wendy and I were having dinner with some beautiful people on Friday night. That, that, that if you were to ask them, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God, they would say unequivocally yes. But we were talking, and this was in no judgment. Man, they've never really had an experience with God. There's a big difference. I was that way when I was growing up as a young Catholic boy in Butte, Montana. Man, I knew all about Jesus, but I'd never had an experience with the Lord. And then lastly, it's information. We need to replace those those, that, that wrong thinking, those ungodly belief systems, those bad mindsets, right? To, to grow in our life, to, to, to be transformational disciples that, that have been transformed. Are you guys tracking with me? So in order to see how Ephesians uh, chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 comes to pass in our lives, let's look down at verse 20 just for the sake of time and see how we get there. You Ready? Paul says in verse 20, "Give thanks for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." Now, wow. Okay. Holy shamois. Like we're to give thanks for everything and everyone. Darren, what about the bad things? that happen in our life, the bad people, the bad situations. The reason, the answer is, the reason we can give thanks is God is actually able, if we believe it, to turn everything for the good of those that love the Lord. It's wild, but that's how the kingdom works. So you can lean into that and give thanks for everything and for everyone. Remember last week I was talking about glory. We need to practice this because glory is is the intrinsic value on a person. It can even be the intrinsic value on a situation. But honor, as I said last week, is the ability to recognize that value. And the, way, a, the reason we're able to recognize the value is because we're able to give thanks for it. Right? Right? I remember when my parents were were dragging me all over to this practice and that practice in football and in baseball and basketball, wrestling, track and field, and then water skiing in the summertime. I mean, there wasn't a sport I wasn't doing. And, man, I just didn't have any value for what they were doing for me. Why? Because I didn't see it. But when I started hauling my son from Coral Springs west during rush hour, and then picking him up again the second time, maybe sometimes three times a day, going, I realized because I could see, oh, my God, that was really valuable what my mom and dad did. I never gave thanks for it back then. I took it for granted. You see, it's important for us to be able to see so that we can say, thank you, God, for what? Listen, you'll, you'll look back on some of your most trying times And you'll worship the Lord. You're like, God, I don't know how you did it, but I would never want to go through that again. I would never want to wish that on my worst enemy. But Lord, you did something so profound in that season that you never could have done in any other season. I give you thanks for everything. So, then he says, just going progressively here. Then he says, and out of your reverence to Christ, verse 21, be supportive of one another. Oh wow. So when we're walking through life going through our stuff, learning how to give thanks, being able to see intrinsic value and then and then and then and then recognizing that value, going through the ups and the downs, how many of you know it'd be really good for us to support one another along the journey? It's called community. It's called engagement. It's the reason we have small groups here at the harbor. It's the reason that is so important for us. So, you tracking with me so far? Now, the next verse, we're going to get the solution for all that is wrong in the world. You ready? Verse twenty-two. For wives, I'm just the messenger this morning. This means submit to your husbands. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body of the church, and as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. There's the answer. Amen. Let's go have lunch. Praise the Lord. That's how we're going to get there. Did you know this verse... These three verses are probably some of the most misunderstood and misapplied verses in all of the New Testament. Embarrassed to say. So let us help. Let me help you out this morning a little bit. You ready? Women, give me a huge amen. This is big. This is a moment right here. To get proper context for all of the verses, 20 verse 31, we got a go, uh, 20 down to 31. We need to go down to 31. So turn there. Look at this with me. It says here, and the scriptures say, a man who leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, the two are united into one. He's talking about marriage. Interesting, because Paul was never even married. But he says in verse 32, this is a great mystery. It gives some insight into what he's, what's really going on here in all of these verses. He says, but this is a great mystery built." but is an illustration of the way Christ and his bride are one. In other words, he's not talking about how her wife relates to her husband. He's talking about how Jesus relates to his wife. There's there's some beautiful stuff, and I'm going to bring some balance here, but, 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 but he's talking mostly about how Jesus relates to his wife. It's all about... The love of Christ for his bride. So ladies, tap the man next to you and say, you make such a beautiful bride. Jason, you're looking good this morning, man. Come on. We're all part of this. We're all the bride of Christ, right? So it's his love for us, male and female. And he says that Christ and the church are one. That is That is hard to comprehend. In fact, he prays this prayer in John 17. Father, make them one as you and I are one. So the oneness in the Godhead that is actually manifest with us as his bride and as his body, we are actually called to manifest the same unity within our relationships. Heresy, Darren. No. Study it out. And Paul wouldn't have said these things if it wasn't possible. The blood makes it possible, friends. Unity in relationships? To the same degree as God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit had unity in their relationships? You see, I believe as we come to know our identity in Him, we will thank the Father for our intimacy we have with Him and the destiny that we have for Him. Now, Paul, I I believe here, is not negating divine order because he clearly says that Christ is the head of the church, right? And headship, if we can understand it correctly, is a beautiful reality in the order of the Lord. But this kind of kingdom is otherworldly. It's otherworldly. In fact, it's not even hierarchical as it's executed in a completely different fashion than the culture of this world. Remember what Jesus said. This is important. Track with me here. In Luke chapter 22, verse 25 and 26, Jesus told them, In the world the kings and the great men lord over the people. Yet they're called friends of the people? He's saying that there's no way that's even possible. But they're called friends because they lord over the people. But he says among you will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. What if love, headship, authority looks like laying down our lives for somebody else than trying to lord over them with some dysfunctional hierarchical power of control? In fact, if you even look at how the Godhead works, they have this beautiful, symbiotic, I call it like atomic relationship. It's like the atom, which is the foundation of all life. It's it's they they move around the nucleus in such divine fashion. And look what it says in John chapter 3, 13, verse 3, as it relates to the Father. It says, Jesus knew that the Father, whose head who has this authority he had given Jesus now all authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God we see in John 16:13 that the holy spirit doesn't do anything on his own but he but he backs Jesus he's there serving Jesus and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 24 it says and at the end after the end will come he when he will turn the kingdom talking about Jesus back over to the father having everything every having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. So this is amazing. Like, think about this. The Father who's in authority turns everything over to Jesus. The Holy Spirit backs Jesus in everything he's doing. And then when everything's accomplished, Jesus turns everything back over to the Father. It's, it's, it's It's this operation of hierarchy, not hierarchy, but authoritative order. But it's one that prefers and serves and honors the other by laying down of their life. I believe people, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this. He said, people only follow you as you follow me. It's the only way that you're going to have real influence in in this life. And so if you go back to Ephesians 5.25, he says, for husbands, he's given explanation. This means for you, love your wife as Christ has loved the church and given himself for her. Come on, is everybody awake this morning? This is really intense, I know. Just bear with me. I'm being kind, but this is really powerful. Like, like if you want to manifest authority in your home, love your wife like Jesus did. Lay down your life like he did for his bride. And maybe in that garden, you'll eat of some fruit that tastes really good. And even, everybody has a choice here. Even if, if she doesn't respond... That's, that's it's okay. It's like it, you're not looking for a response. You're not trying to manipulate. I did this, and now I'm expecting you to do this. Like, stay the course. If we want to be leaders, let's take out gender here. Like, if you want to be a leader, love someone else as Jesus loved them. Lay your life down for them. See what may happen. This is crazy. Verse 26, it says, and I'm wrapping up here. As he did this, as he, as he gave up his life for her, it says in verse 26, it, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. It produces something. it it, it Something happens didn't happen with everybody, even with Jesus. I mean, Judas didn't respond, but the majority of the other disciples did, right? So something supernatural took place as he gave his life for these ones that at first were fleeing, hiding, lying, saying they didn't even know him, denying him. But eventually God came in and he grabbed a hold of their hearts and they responded because they finally got love. They, they began to understand what love was actually all about. Remember Peter, he thought it was all about what he was doing for God. And God was like, listen Peter, it's not about you doing something for me. It's about you receiving what I've done for, me, for you. And then when you get that, then you'll be able to go and feed my sheep. Feed them with what? Hypocrisy and judgment and religion and expectation? Or feed them by being crucified on a cross upside down for people that weren't even receiving His word, oftentimes. And then they go, my God, who was that person? I couldn't see it, He didn't have an agenda. He was just here to represent Jesus, to represent the Father. We got a big assignment right now to represent God in a world that doesn't, they're not into church. They're not into God. They want the kingdom, but they don't want a king. They don't trust authority because authority is not manifesting like Jesus would have it to manifest pull our heads out of the sand and let us see, oh God, what love looks like. How love is to be flowing through our lives as we receive it and then we can give it away. And then it says in verse 27, He, Jesus, did this to present her, her, the church, to Himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish that she'll be holy and without fault. He did this to present the church to himself. What he sowed, what he watered, what he cultivated. This was the garden that he was destined to produce. Come on, think about the first woman that stepped into the New Testament garden. former prostitute, total throwaway of the world. Those Pharisees couldn't change her. In fact, their thing was pick up a stone and let her have it. When maybe Jesus, when he was writing the name in the sand, was writing the name of one of those very men in the circle that had had sex with them. Hypocrisy. No power to change a human heart. I'm often fascinated. and This is where I'm leaning into right now in this this time of great extremes and flip-flopping. I'm leaning into the center place with God where I'm never going to compromise my convictions and the things that I've come to know about Jesus and His kingdom. But I'm asking that as I do that, my heart would be so pure, that I'd be so attractional to the most hardened, lost sinner that they would just love to be around me. Even if that cost me my reputation. Because that's where Jesus was at. Think about it. Friend of sinners. Wine bibber devil himself. Yet he was holy and righteous and pure. Never sinned. Holy Spirit, Yet love eternally. Help us to see and help us to perceive this love. For God, come on, be honest with Him. God, we've been brought up in a world that has so perverted what love looks like and what love is. And thus, our understanding of it is so often so far off and we project and we read the scriptures through that projection and so even on our best day in our best efforts we can't reflect Jesus fully even though he's on the inside of us longing to come out God would you help us today see Christ in us be the hope come on pray this with me the hope of glory for all of the world let us not be colonized by the current post Christian culture we don't want to be trendy cool kids on the block that have no power progress without your presence no way even if we're perceived as the mystics of old, but they, when they come around us or the early church and they say, oh my God, who were those anointed ones? Who were those ones that we respect even if we don't join them right now, even if we're not ready to go there? They loved they exuded Jesus. They they carried the glory of God. Come, Holy Spirit. We just pray this. I'm closing. Lord, help us in our marriages. Help us in the way that we love our spouses. God, help us to have homes that reflect Jesus. Help us with our children to lay our lives down, Lord, to serve, to give, to, to, to create an environment, Lord, that's free from control and fear. Hypocrisy. Do what I say, not do as I do. Our friendships, our church. Come on, pray with me even as I'm rejected. Still love. All expectations. Come on, God's up to something in the room here right now. All expectations leaving as we love others. You'll get disillusioned every time if you're looking for a particular response. Trust God. Trust God with that life. He's the one that created them, He's the one that laid down His life for them, not you. Be an instrument. Be an expression, be the hands and feet of Jesus. just feel holy awe, wonder, beauty in this room today. just I'm just gonna have Sarah just play we're gonna we're gonna dismiss and as you get up to leave or go to get your kids, would you just? Just do so quietly, and I feel like we're to take a moment. We'll have our intercessors up here, our ministry teams, but maybe today, if there's that cry to run into the presence of God and say, Lord, I need to grow. No shame, no condemnation, no sense of failure. Come on, that's not how God works with us. But there's that that yearning. Take this moment. Take this window and let the grace of heaven that's in this room today on this word become real to you. Maybe you don't know Jesus in this kind of a way. Come, have a conversation with us. We'll talk about this beautiful one that we've come to know. We love you, Lord. Revival. Revival.